Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Emily Cross is an end-of-life doula, musician, and artist living in Dorset, England. After graduating from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, where her visual artwork centered around mortality and loss, she moved to Austin and qu quickly became integrated in the arts and music scene. In 2015, she decided to pursue a career serving the dying and earn professional certificates from the University of Vermont and quality of life care. She established a personal practice in 2017 and brings her unique set of skills to her work with the dying and their families. She has recently relocated to Dorset, UK, and now practices her doula work in person and also online. There, she opened Steady Waves Center for Contemplation. It acts as a community hub for end-of-life resources, education, and conversation alongside meditation sessions. Emily is the creator of Steady Waves Living Funeral Ceremonies, a transformative, immersive experience intended to spur serious reflection about mortality and life's priorities. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much. Thank you. I could really, really use your help. If you haven't had a chance yet to listen to my season five opener, go back and listen to that. But in the event that you don't, I need your support. If you've been listening to me for a while, or even if you just started, you can go to Patreon and put in Dr. Amy Robbins. And there you can find different levels in which you can support the podcast financially. At this point, I have no ads. I have no 
um, sponsors. I am solely self-funding this podcast and it would really, really help me out if you've gotten something out of this podcast, if you could donate $5, $10, or even $20 a month just to help me out, to help support the podcast. I'm continuing to work to try to get sponsors, to try to get advertisers, but until that happens, I need your help. And there are other ways to support the podcast. In addition to Patreon, you can like the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can rate and review the podcast. I always love reading your reviews. They're really heartwarming to me. And it's the emotional currency that I get from providing you with this resource. So uh, please, please take a moment to just help me out here. You can also find the links in this um, episode, in the episode notes, as well as on my website at dramyrobbins.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Robbins. So tell, let's start by talking about how you, you're pretty, you seem young on the younger side, how someone um, starts to think about mortality and death, you know, at a young age, because I feel like that's normally a topic that we avoid like the plague until we absolutely have to face it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, great question. I get asked that uh, a lot, especially a couple years ago, like when I first started. Uh, I suppose so. You mentioned that I, in the intro, that I went to art school. Um, I've always made art for as long as I can remember, as most kids do. But I've always made art about kind of liminal spaces and mysteries in life. I've always been fascinated by near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences and astral travel and like all metaphysical stuff. Um, so I've just always had a more, I guess, positive mindset about end of life and kind of a wondery about it. I don't have any firm beliefs about the afterlife or anything like that, but I have never thought that death was like some bad, inherently bad thing, I suppose. I always approach the topic with a sense, yeah, of, of kind of wonder and um possibility i guess and so after years of making art and music kind of all around uh different topics relating to death i stumbled across uh the concept of a death doula and i it just really resonated with me i never wanted to go into the medical field so when i heard it could be a profession that i could do that would be non-medical presence at the end of life I was really attracted to that. So what does your work as a death doula look like? Like walk us through, I've had other death doulas on, but I'd love for you to kind of walk us through at what point does someone bring you in um, to get involved? How involved are you? Uh, what's the cost of something like this? Cause I know it's not covered by any, I mean, certainly in the United States, it's not covered by any sort of Medicare or anything. So I'm just curious about some of those pieces. Yeah, so it's different for every single person that contacts me. And one of the beauties of 
being kind of like a free agent at the end of life is that I'm able to really tailor my services to the specific client. And there, there are things that in place that are the same with every client, like non-disclosure agreements and contracts and things like that. But I'm able to, with everyone that I work with, work with them on a sliding scale. So I offer my services at different prices, just depending on what the family and or the individual can afford. Um, and also I keep in mind my capacity and my um what's on my plate. I can't always take people, help people for less money, but when I can, I try to. And yeah, for every family, it's just so different. Some people contact me because they're simply anxious about death and dying. Um, so we work on a temporary basis and they're not dying at all. Um, or they don't know that they're dying or they're not imminently dying. Mm -hmm. um, I could be called like two days before someone dies. I could be called a couple weeks before to help get paperwork in order, um, to help organize like communications amongst family and doctors and funeral planning uh, professionals. I can help orchestrate like home funerals and kind of like out of the box funerals and parties and things like that. Um, also legacy projects. I, I like to do a lot just thinking more um, creatively with my background. That's really fun to do, to create like video legacy projects or art projects or music projects um, for the person dying at the end of life to leave, leave to their friends and family after they're gone. Um, and then of course there's just like companionship and vigils and instructing the family. I'm really big on helping families and loved ones, uh, have confidence that they can be with their loved one at the end of life. So education is a huge part of what I do. So just educating about what's going on in the body, what we can do to help, help the person feel comfortable at the end of life. And, um, because, you know, a lot of people are just really nervous. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They don't want to hurt their loved one. And so just having a person there that's a neutral party to oversee everything is is really helpful and important. So I guess there's not one easy answer to that question. It's just different every time as to what I can provide to a family. But that's what I love about it. It's really varied and really different each time. So while a hospice nurse provides the medical care primarily, yeah. they don't really provide the emotional support piece in the same way that you do. And you sort of, you, it sounds like you really holistically look at, like, here's yeah. some things you might want to be considering um, as you're moving towards death. So it's almost, it, you know, it's almost as if it would be beneficial to get you involved earlier on rather than like waiting till the last, you know, minutes to bring someone like you in. I think so. I think it's, it's helpful because then I can really see the bigger picture of everything going on and the relationships among all these different healthcare professionals and what might escalate into different situations and all this kind of thing, because, you know, it tends to, if you get down to the wire and people are wanting to see the person before they go. And there's, you know, literal physical items to consider like their belongings and their estate and like all of this, it can get a little bit frantic if, if 
it's not well planned out. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you, you mentioned hospice nurses not being able to offer like maybe as much emotional, um, support or companionship. And that, you know, that can be the case. I've seen some really amazing hospice staff, but they are under a time limit. You know, they have, it's their job. They're under the umbrella of their organization, whether it be profit or for-profit hospice. And they have rules and regulations. Whereas I, you know, I have my own professional liability insurance, but I, you know, can basically do whatever I want for my own business and within the contracts that I've laid out, which are pretty flexible. So I have the benefit of being able to do kind of float between all these other people and really have a big picture view of what's going on. What is your, what do you feel like sitting with people as they're moving towards death? What have been kind of your biggest lessons and takeaways about life? Oh, you know, most of what I'm feeling when I'm sitting with someone is just intense gratitude and like honor for being in that space with this person. Um, but you know, I see family filter in and out and friends filter in and out and naturally you get to know kind of what this person's life was about. You see pictures, you hear stories, you, you know, see their clothing and all the different kind of things that make up someone's personality, even if they can't speak to you. And you just kind of, um, I mean, this is really maybe obvious, but you just start to realize that everything is just so temporary and so fleeting. And it just makes you that much more grateful when you can walk out the door and like live your life. So it's, that's mainly what it is for me. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about, I'm really curious about what your artwork was like as you were creating it and what, what it can be like, like, do you create it for someone if they say they want that expression and they, or that gift to someone or do they create it or is it a co you know, how does that work yeah any which way so it can be someone just instructing me what their vision is and i can carry that out or it can be just me facilitating them physically if they're not you know don't have that strength to lift a drawing or painting implement or um it could just be finding ways like adaptive things that work for them like maybe they can do like a tablet of digital painting or something and then we can print that on like a canvas or yeah just thinking about different ways that they can achieve achieve a piece of artwork if they want to do that you talk about um living funerals mhm this is a fascinating, this is what sort of caught my attention when you, you know, submitted the request um, Mm -hmm. to be on the podcast, because one, I've never, I mean, I've sort of heard about it in fits and spurts, but like nothing. There was a New York Times article a couple of years ago about this woman that did, she called it a funeral. Okay. Um, But I'm curious how, how that works. What that looks like who comes do people actually do this are they too scared <laughs> hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> um, yeah, some people are too scared, which is completely valid, of course. Um, so I just want to clarify, because when I say living funerals, people have different ideas in their mind. and when I first started to like, for lack of a better word, but like market these as something that someone could come to and have the experience, I just called them living funerals because that what that's what was in my mind. It, it's a funeral for someone who's living and going to expected to keep living. Right. So um, later I also found out that people call living funerals, uh, what I call celebrations of life, which is like a, a party um, for someone who is expected to pass on, but they want to attend this party for them, like in their honor, in their spirit of life. So I think some people, when they think about living funerals, they think that's what it is, a, a party for someone that's still li still living, but about to die. Whereas what I do, I, I do that as well. I call it celebrations of life, but these are... Uh, ceremonies intended to bring mortality really close in your mind in hopes that you can clearly see life your life and the priorities very clearly and maybe make some changes in life and foster gratitude and what it is is usually like a two-hour cer ceremony um, in person or on zoom and I do them with a coffin, like an actual coffin in person. Um, but I also do them with shrouds. So people are covered with shrouds. And yeah, it's a very in-depth death meditation, basically. Um, so those are what I'm going to be talking about. Is that kind of what you had in mind? Or did you think it was more like the the celebration of life? I honestly had no idea. So <laughs> I'm really cool. curious. Yeah, I'm really curious to like walk me through this. I'm already having like reactions to it internally. And I'm just, if other people are too, I would just encourage you to pay attention to whatever it is that you're feeling as you're talking about this. Yeah. So I first became aware that this was something that people could do back in, I think, 2016. Um, a short video piece came out. I can't even remember. It might've been the New York times. It might've been vice or something, but essentially it showed about like 30 to 40 people in a room, each had their own coffin and they were in funeral, funeral robes. They had their memorial picture in front of them. And this was happening in South Korea. And 
this was in the phase where I was training to be a death doula. I was just absorbing all of this information about death and dying since that wasn't really my background before. And I learned that these healing centers exist. They, as far as I know, got started in 2012. And their whole purpose was to help curb suicide rates in South Korea Mm -hmm. because of their very intense um, work culture. So someone, I'm not sure who, dreamt up this exercise where they lead people through their own death. People get into their coffin and it's shut and they hammer it shut. They lay in there for 10 minutes. And this was intended to help people realize that their life is worth living. They shouldn't kill themselves. And I just thought this is... I've never heard anything like that before. And visually it was like stunning to me. I was like, this is, and it made more sense that it was in the East, you know, cause I think they have a slightly different relationship to end of life. Um, but even still I was hmm. thinking, wow, my, my mind just was going around and around in circles um, because I could see the benefit of doing that. Even for people who, you know, are not suicidal Um, have never thought about suicide, who just want to experience that and feel how it would feel to look at mortality that closely and that intensely. And also, I was thinking about my end-of-life doula training and how that might help me to more empathically connect with people who are dying. If I have experienced this, you know, gotten a little taste of what it might feel like for me to die even just in a simulation, I could better relate to those, my clients dying. So anyway, long story short, I looked and looked, I wanted to go to one really badly. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't find anyone doing that in the States. So I, over a number of years, um, started developing my own ceremony and I slightly altered it for a Western audience. I, d- I don't really know what exactly they do in the South Korean experience. I just can see visually what they're doing. So I'm not sure what they're saying or like what's going on because I can't speak um, Korean. But I drew from some spiritual t- traditions, some religious tr- traditions in terms of the meditation and some body relaxation techniques and created my own script. and. The participants come in the room, they are guided to their place setting, which has their picture, it has their birth date and the day of that day, meaning their death date. Um, and then there's a piece of paper on the right hand side. I won't go far into, into what the writing exercise is, but there's like a writing element and there's a bodily death meditation and kind of like a separation of ego and uh it goes pretty deep into looking inside of oneself and then they're either put in a coffin or they get in the coffin or they're shrouded with like a a sheet essentially and then they lay quote unquote dead and then they come back through life and then we talk about it talk about what happened And it is so incredible. It sounds like a very, very simple experience and simple meditation. 
but it amazes me every single time that I do this and I've done hundreds, how profound this is for people and how much work they do when they're in that state. And it's, yeah, kind of blows my mind, but it's been really amazing. What, what have you seen? I'm curious if you could speak to that a little bit when people come out of this meditative state or this contemplative experience, what, what happens in the moment? And then do you do follow-ups with them to see like whether the, the experience changed them for the long term, or was it just like, oh, in this moment, these are the things I should be doing, but then they can't follow through on the implementation. I don't follow through, follow up with every single person that does this. I have a pretty hands-off approach, I guess. I always am available for anyone to reach out to me after. And many, many people do, um, which I'm very grateful for. And people send me messages. (laughs) I've had messages about divorces. I've had messages about businesses being started. I've had messages about moving countries. I've had all sorts of messages from people who have had that be their catalyst of change in their life. I've had people who are coming to let go of an aspect of their life that they want to be in the past for good. Um, I've had someone come who was obsessed, her own words, obsessed with hating her ex-husband. And uh, in the experience, she said afterwards, she came up to me in person and she said, you know, It's incredible when I was thinking about how I'm dying and what really matters to me. I didn't think about my ex-husband one time during that whole experience. Mm. That's the first time in a long time I haven't held that hatred in my heart. And she said, "Uh, you know, I think I can finally let it go. So it. You know, stuff like that is really incredible as well. Just thinking about all the different kinds of death that we can have in life. Mm-hmm. It's so po- that's so powerful. And in you know, the piece about like getting into your coffin and just laying there. Um, yeah. What do you? What do you find it brings up for people? By and large, people feel really, really peaceful. That's the most common piece of feedback that I get is that because, you know, it's a very gradual meditation with their consciousness, like leaving their body. And so I think that many people just feel like they're kind of just floating in the ether. Uh, A lot of people tell me that they feel like they're going somewhere they've been before. Uh, They have, you know, out-of-body experiences. A lot of people tell me that they don't want to come back to their body. And this is just through a meditation. Seriously. And I find it crazy because, you know, those are the kind of things that all those years ago when I found out about near-death experiences... 
people say in near-death experiences a lot of the time, like overwhelming peace. They don't want to come back to their body, all this kind of thing. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. I think some people feel resistance, you know, naturally. And uh, it can get too real for some people. I've never had an experience where someone has, you know, responded in a way that's very troubling or, um, yeah, concerning in any way. But some people have told me afterward, like they couldn't go as deep as they maybe expected to or wanted to because they just felt like it was too real. I got feedback once that um, this particular person was doing a lot of work about manifesting, like bringing things into the and essentially like willing things into her life and when we were doing the body shutdown she told me like I couldn't do that because I felt so strongly that if I did that I would die mm. um, which was interesting because I've never heard that before but it makes sense mm -hmm. if you're focusing about if you're focusing on manifesting different things in your life why someone wouldn't want to then you know, do the same thing, but with their own death, but mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. And you created this all just based on this South Korean kind of following what they, what they had done. Yep. So visually that's what struck me the most. These people all in a room separately having this intense internal journey but also surrounded surrounded by all these other people doing the same thing it's very much like what we all how we all die you know like we all go through the same thing it's like the most unifying experience we all were born and we all will die and all these coffins lined up and all these pictures with this flickering candles on the tables I just thought wow that is something to look at like that is incredible and so that's the first thing that I had tried to replicate is the visual of that and like I said I had to uh sort of adapt it because I wasn't I was renting like yoga studios and community spaces and things like that so I couldn't exactly carry in like 10 coffins um or store 10 coffins in my house so I had to figure out okay how am I going to do this so I thought of the shrouds and so I just would, would cover people head to toe with a linen like a sheet um but in terms of the content of the South Korean funeral you know there were like some subtitles um of kind of what they were talking about and then the people expressing how they felt during the ceremony. So that's all I really had to go off of, but it's such a simple idea that I was mm -hmm. confident I could create something that was uh, pretty straightforward and, and simple, but effective. And you said it's two hours about. Yeah. It depends on the, a number of people so if there's like over 10 people it tends to get longer but if it's one-on-one -on -one, usually it's only like an hour and a half or so 10 people meaning 10 people who know each other or just 10 people yeah just 10 okay. people so you yeah. don't invite 
people to this. This no. is really an introspective, contemplative exactly. experience versus what the other piece that you were talking about, which is like throwing yourself a literal celebration of life or, you know, inviting people to speak as if they as if they were attending your funeral and they were giving a eulogy, something like that. Two totally different things. Yes, exactly. I think that if because I have had that, I have had requests of for people to come and have private one-on-one sessions, but invite their family and have had to kind of explain that it it would be, I think, quite uncomfortable for a group of people to be watching someone be led through this meditation, have their like solo journey. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no, but I wouldn't suggest it necessarily. Mm-hmm. When someone requests that, I think it just, they're just not fully understanding what it is, which again is, you know, this isn't like a normal thing people do. So it's understandable that people wouldn't know Sorry, there's a just really big bang outside and I don't know what it was. Um, but yeah, it's it's a solo journey. It's not so much something to invite family members to. Although some people do come and like they know some people there. They invite their friend or mm-hmm. to do it as well. But usually everyone is a stranger. Well, Emily, if people want to learn more about your amazing work and what you do and can they do, is this something they can do over Zoom or does it have to be in person? How does that work? It can be done over Zoom. I also train people to do this, to to do the exact same thing that I do. So I've had, I think now I have about I'm I'm not sure how many are practicing right now, but probably a good handful, 15 to 20 people are actively leading these as well. But you can find all that info on my website. I have a list of practitioners who I've trained personally. Um, and so if you wanted to go to one, you know, locally in person, you just look at my website and see what the closest one to you would be. Or I do them in person and I also do them on Zoom. And where can people find you? at studywavecenter.com and that center spelled the American way (laughs) c-e-n-t-e-r yes well Emily thank you so much for your time today and for really digging into this contemplative death practice which is always a big I talk about that a lot on the show but um, it's so important and beautiful work that you're doing to really move people into the space of not necessarily dying but living much more meaningful, purposeful, love-filled lives. So thank you. No problem. Thanks for all the work you do too. It's all really amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.